0: Trojan fans, it's time for another installment of the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast. We give you the inside scoop on everything about USC football recruiting from the experts who know what they're talking about. Which players have an offer, which ones don't, who the coaches like, and who our experts like. And now, here are your co hosts for the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast uscfootball.com publisher Ryan Abraham and uscfootball.com national recruiting analyst Gerard Martinez.
1: Hello Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Wednesday. Today we're going to talk some USC football recruiting with Gerard Martinez. You can follow him on Twitter at GMartLive. We used to call it the Trojan Blast Recruiting Podcast. We called it Turned Up SC Recruiting po- Podcast, whatever you want to call it. This is our recruiting podcast. We'll get Gerard on. He knows everything about USC recruiting. Uh, We have a lot of questions to get through from you guys. So if you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com is our email address. So you can leave us a voicemail a couple different ways. Our voicemail number is 641-715-3900. Leave it at extension 816-646. Hit the pound sign, leave a voicemail there. Try to keep it brief if you can. Or you go to our website, parastylepodcast.com. Click on the left side of the page and leave a voicemail right there. Don't forget, please subscribe to our channel on iTunes, itunes.com slash Podcast. Easy way to get to it. Leave us some positive feedback. That would be great. And let's talk to the man of the hour, Gerard Martinez. What's up, buddy? How you doing?
2: Doing well. Just, uh, you know, getting through the grind of fall camp. But uh, it's been a great camp. It's been uh, great to see, you know, the newcomers and Staying on top of all these freshmen that they brought in in the 2015 class, and seeing how they're going to impact uh, the team this season. You know, it's the first year that we've really seen some amount of depth at some of these positions for USC. So uh, it's been uh, a lot to take in, but it's uh, been a really good camp for USC, and it's been uh, a good camp for us.
1: Yeah, and uh, you know, we it's been mostly about the team, not a lot of recruiting. You've been out there doing the newcomer notebook, so definitely check that out on uscfootball.com. Um, Gerard does a great job with those. But there was some big recruiting news this week. Uh, you were over at Bishop of Mott. Uh, some five-star kid, I guess, decided to go to USC.
2: Yeah, big recruiting news, but not necessarily the most uh, surprising recruiting news. It feels like, uh, you know, we've kind of known that uh, Tyler Vaughn's five-star wide receiver from Bishop of High School was probably going to end up at USC and the moment he announced he was going to commit before the start of the season. Really hadn't taken any unofficial visits to any other schools Really, USC had been the only school he'd been to. He camped at USC, and he'd actually been down to practice a couple times for fall camp, uh, and USC was the childhood favorite. And really early on in the recruiting process, he was pretty adamant that USC was going to be his number one school. And then he sort of backed off of that and kind of played the recruiting game a little bit when he got more scholarship offers. Uh, Commits to USC, becomes commitment number 16 in the class of 2016, uh, one of the top-rated receivers in the country. Uh, it gives USC now five players in the class of 2016 that project to play wide receiver for USC next fall. So that's obviously something we're going to keep an eye on. We've done uh, a few analysis pieces sort of breaking down the receiver class and breaking down the receiver class even going forward because we're not necessarily sure that USC is done recruiting at the receiver position. And obviously with those five guys, you've got two athletes there and Michael Pittman and Trevon Sidney who are both uh, rated among the top athletes in the country. And, you know, possibly some of these guys in the receiver class ended up playing other positions next year. So we'll keep an eye on that. But uh, another big get for USC and uh, maybe, you know, the last real big, Recruiting uh, news from a, I guess, a commitment standpoint. Um, you know, kind of going into the season, I expect USC to be probably pretty quiet with the recruiting trail. Uh, during the season, they seem to want to concentrate mostly on the on the season and, and focus on winning games. And obviously, you know, early in the season, they've got uh, some games that they should win uh, handily, convincingly. Maybe they sneak in a couple official visitors for kind of keeping our ear to the ground with that. Um, but usually the big recruiting push doesn't happen until you get into the UCLA week, which is November 28th. And then we start to see, you know, kind of the big push towards uh, December and January with USC trying to close out very strong.
1: Uh, Well, we'll go from a commitment, uh, big news for Tyler Vaughn's. This uh, question, I think, was sent in a week or two ago. um, We haven't had a uh, recruiting podcast for a little while uh, about a decommitment. So I'm going to play this one for you, Gerard, and get your opinion here.
2: J.D. from D.C. Okay, Gerard, what's the scoop on Mel Key
1: Stovall's decommitment? I'm not buying the rumors that the coaches forced him out when they don't have any running backs in this class.
2: And the board seems awfully thin at this point. Do you see any reasonable running back candidates in this class, particularly those
1: the coaches would prefer to Stovall? And why would they only want to have one running back in this class anyway? Unless not G. Harris has decided to commit USC to with Stephen Carr, this doesn't make much sense to me.
2: Yeah, and both of those guys, Najee Harris and uh, Stephen Carr, in the 2017 class. So uh, you think USC would want to get a running back commit in this class? Obviously, they got three in the last class, and we've seen all three of those guys in fall camp. Dominic Davis, uh, the you know smallish, more scat back type, five nine, 170 pounds, uh, extremely fast, uh, but a guy that I think USC uses more like Oregon did, DeAnthony Thomas. Um, and then you've got Ronald Jones, who really isn't necessarily known as a power back, but a guy that USC in fall camp has used a lot kind of between the tackles. He's, he's a fairly big kid. He's about six one, probably 190, 195 pounds. And he's been a guy that's a, been a really good downhill runner. And then you've got Cedric Ware, who's about 5'11", uh, 190 pounds, maybe 200 pounds, and uh, kind of an all-around really good back. Uh, Johnny Nansen, the running back coach at USC, compared him um, you know, most closest to a Buck Allen, who kind of does everything well, maybe doesn't do one thing great, but kind of does everything well. Catches well out of the backfield, good pass protector, uh, very good vision uh, as he gets into the hole, and and can really get yards there consistently, positive yards. You know, kind of regardless of of what happens. You know, he's got good forward lean, he can break tackles, um, and he's just very, very reliable in that sense. So you've got three very solid money backs, and I think USC is done some evaluation there and feel pretty good about the running back position uh, with that class already on campus. Going forward to 2016, though, you would think they would still want to get one good running back. Um, was Melke Stovall that guy? Maybe, maybe not. Melky Stovall really wanted to play more receiver. He, he talked a lot about playing in the slot. and talked a lot about kind of being an Adoree Jackson. Now, he's not the athlete Adoree Jackson is. I mean, Adoree Jackson obviously was a, a track star and a, a guy that was uh, pretty dynamic speed-wise. Uh, Melky Stovall just quite isn't that fast, um, but, you know, very good moves in space. And uh, as a running back, he has, uh, you know, tremendous tape. And I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, he would be a really good running back, but I don't know if Melky Stovall agrees with that. And so I think there there might have been a little bit of divide. Did USC push him out? I don't know about that. I haven't really heard so much about that. Um, It was a good, you know, source that, that put that out there, that kind of put that out there for USC fans. You know, it wasn't necessarily his decision so much it was USC's decision. So I don't necessarily doubt that a whole bunch. But I think, you know, even on top of that, the fact that USC has five guys that can play receiver um i think Melky Stolwall kind of sees his time as a receiver maybe in the USC offense diminished and and he's a guy that really i think was looked at first and foremost as a running back but a guy that could maybe play in the slot he sees himself more as a slot receiver that can maybe play some running back so uh i you know the two parties uh, i think definitely parted ways and um i would see USC still looking for a running back is there any top candidate that You know, comes to mind that they, that they really like and really likes USC. No. But Ronald Jones at this point, uh, in the year was committed to Oklahoma State. And we really didn't hear anything about him being, you know, wavering or, or or really looking at visiting USC. And so it's one of those things, there could be a committed running back somewhere else that USC's in contact with that, you know, they're keeping it low, and he's keeping it low because he's committed to another school, and we're really not going to hear about it until we get in November, December. I mean, that's kind of the recruiting process. That That's kind of what happens nowadays. So I wouldn't necessarily say they don't have their eye on somebody. We just haven't figured it out yet or heard about it. Uh, the board looks pretty bare, but I would think that they would really want to get uh, at least one running back commit in this class.
1: All right, thanks for that. Uh, let's go. we got a... Mike Juarez question. Another voicemail. I'll play this one for you.
2: Randall in Dallas with a question for Gerard. After watching the video that Ryan did with Juarez, he mentioned about not taking an official visit. And in case I'm wrong, Ryan, let me know. But he mentioned that he's not going to USC for an official. When has that ever happened where a committed player doesn't visit his school? Officially. Uh, I appreciate everything that you guys do. And keep up the great work. Man, I'd have to think about that. I I mean, obviously, they've had guys that have uh, committed to USC and not taken official visits and signed with USC. Imam Marshall didn't actually take an official visit to USC last year. Adore Jackson didn't take an actual official visit to USC the year before. But a guy that's been committed early and then never taken that official visit, that's Kind of a good question. I don't know if there is a guy that's gone through that process. And I think on that subject, though, it's sort of hard to know really what these kids are going to do. They say things right now and what they actually do in December, January, sometimes is a different thing. I mean, I remember Juju Smith was telling everybody, you know, I'm not going to visit USC. I'm not going to visit UCLA. I'm going to go to all these other places, and I'm going to go visit Alabama. And he took some visits to other schools, Notre Dame and everything. But then when it came down to it, you know, he got tired of the process a little bit and it was convenient just to go down to USC and take that official visit and he loved it and he ended up at USC. And so there's some guys that talk to talk about not visiting and it's a local school and I can go there any time unofficially, but an unofficial visit is not an official visit. And I and I don't think the kids really realize that and really the staff I don't think really pushes that until you start to get into in-home visits and you start to get late in the process and they're narrowing things down and it's like look at We understand you've been to USC a bunch of times, but, you know, spending 48 hours on campus and 48 hours, more importantly, with us and around the team is going to be a very important part of your decision. And once they start to press that, then these kids start to realize, you know what, maybe I will take an official visit to USC if I'm considering them that much.
1: You know, Clayton Johnston, uh, because he blue shirted, he didn't officially visit.
2: That's true. That's a good call. Yeah. He ended up, didn't take, he was a commit early on in the year and ended up taking the blue shirt, which, you know, basically forbid him to be able to take an official visit and then committed. So that is an example. I think with Mike war is that the point that's being made, and I agree with it, is that he's talking the talk of a commit, but we heard a lot from good sources behind the scenes that he's not that committed and could very easily end up going somewhere else. And so, everybody's kind of sort of looking for those little chinks in the armor of, okay, I'm committed to USC, I'm solid to USC. But, you know, reading between the lines, uh, what's really going on behind the scenes. I think that, um, you know, actions speak louder words. I say that again and again on the peristyle when it comes to recruiting. And as people have pointed out, you know, he hasn't really been to practice very much. Um, he was at the camp, but he didn't actually camp. He just was kind of there. Um yeah, so people are—you're know, going to see how many games he attends. We're going to see how much he's around the team. If he, even though he's not around the team very much, I think that really kind of speaks more than you know any quote you're going to get from him.
1: And then uh, we also had a question, kind of a follow-up to that: uh, What is Peter Sermon's plan B if Mike Juarez ends up dropping USC? If Juarez flips, it sounds like it's going to be late in the process. Could USC possibly take up, or possibly end up taking six wide receivers and only two linebackers in 2016?
2: No, because I think you have to look at that position and, and specifically that position, the Sam field linebacker position as a hybrid position in of itself. Look at the guy that's playing there now and starring in that role. Sue Cravens came to USC, was playing safety, and now he's developed into playing outside linebacker. Uh, I think that's a spot that you've got a lot of athletes that are on the board that may not, necessarily, may not necessarily be linebackers right now, but could end up playing that position. And I mean, Mike Pittman comes to mind as a guy that's in that receiver role right now, he's going to come to USC and they're going to give him a shot at playing receiver. I mean, USC has been pretty good about if they say on the recruiting trail, Hey, you can come in at this spot. They're giving those guys a shot, but I don't know that Mike Pittman doesn't end up being a really good outside linebacker. And, and a lot of people have talked about that. And that's why he's rated as an athlete and not necessarily just a receiver uh, by scout. So, you know, I think that's a position that there are some plan Bs. And one thing I would stress and say that that this this staff has definitely been really good about, they are very proactive about recruiting plan B and, and making sure they are ahead of the game and not stuck, you know, on signing day with three rides left over or, or getting, you know, the shaft from somebody late and not having someone else to go on. I mean, we've seen it time and time again with various different moves um, things have worked out for them, but things have worked out for them because they've been very proactive, and they've got ahead of um, you know the game in, in, instead of just kind of sitting back and hoping things work out for them. So in terms of uh, uh, being prepared and, and having a plan B for Mike Warriors, yeah, they've got one.
1: All right. Uh, let's go. Let's talk some more wide receivers. Nick from Orange, he says, I was just watching the Josh Bebe highlights from the opening. I shot those Josh, uh, and was really impressed with the aggression with which he played. He seemed to play much bigger than his six foot one frame as I watched the closest comparison I could see was Michael Crabtree in college. I'm curious who Gerard and you two, Ryan, think he is most similar to. Thanks for all you do and keep me sane during the off season, Nick in Orange, I'm glad we could keep you sane, Nick,
2: yeah, I mean, when I saw him at first. Demoria Stringfellow was a guy that kind of jumped out to me who was a wide receiver at, uh, at Mission, or excuse me, uh, Merino Valley, Rachel High School and, and ended up going to Washington and playing for Sark as a true freshman. He's a little bigger, uh, Stringfellow is about 6'2", probably about 215, 220-ish, um, but that was kind of the the, the, the comparison that just immediately jumped out at me. I think with, uh, Joshua he he's a very unique runner, um unique body style, sort of long, uh, very muscular, long strider, uh, sort of, you know, has that dip when he runs and kind of runs with his head down, um, just a really good looking athlete, and I mean, what did he, I think his vert was something like 46, 47 inches, and he did it like twice. Uh, which, you know, obviously people are a little skeptical of that. You know, I look at it in general as in comparison to the rest of the, the participants there at the opening finals, you know, what was his, what was his vert like? And it was above everybody else's. And this is a guy that's 200, 205 pounds. So, um athletically, there's not a lot of comparisons out there for a guy like that. You know, there's sort of an Alshon Jeffrey thing there that, you know, when we saw the Alshon Jeffrey and he committed to USC that, the kid from South Carolina was a four-star receiver, now he's playing for the Chicago Bears. He's the guy that committed USC, actually signed seen, then went to USC for camp, and we were watching him, and it was just like, man, he's just all legs and arms, this guy. And, uh, Bay I- 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 Bebe isn't so much like Jeffrey, build-wise, but unique in that way that you kind of look at him and go, okay, he's not really a true possession receiver in that, He's not six four, you know, two two hundred pounds. He's not my you know, Michael Pittman is really physically you look at him and go, Okay, that's a big time He's a big receiver, a big uh split end that, you know, you want to throw the ball up in the air to uh who's gonna be a big possession receiver. Um much more Bebe's not that big. He's you know more in that six one, six two range and only about, you know, two hundred pounds, uh but he certainly plays big and he's strong, and he's got really strong hands, and he'll go across the middle and make catches, uh, and then at the same time, he surprises with how how fast he ran. I mean, he ran, I think, in the prelims of the opening finals, like a four four nine, and then ended up hurting his hamstring, and then ran more like in the 4-5 range, but those are still really good times for a guy that big and that muscular and that strong. So, so unique athlete, I don't know if there's just that one guy that you would kind of pigeonhole him and say, yeah, he's exactly like this guy, uh, just a, a very kind of unique player that it's gonna be interesting in, the, in, in and I'll put this out here and, and I was on the bandwagon to putting George Farmer at running back. I really felt like that would be a better position for him. He was a linear kind of athlete north and south, didn't have the best uh change of direction speed. Um I just thought, wow, you know, I mean maybe guy that's you know, six one, two hundred fifteen, two hundred and twenty pounds playing running back with that speed, you can just get him going north and south to get a hole for him. It'd be interesting to see that kind of breakaway speed. Then Paul mama agreed with me, and they tried to put him at running back a little bit, but his dad disagreed vehemently, and there were some threats to transfer and everything, so they ended up um, capitulating and giving him back to uh, the receivers, and he never really did anything receiver. And Now he's been weighed by the Dallas Cowboys, and we're going to see if he has a future in the NFL as a wide receiver or just in general. But I think Joshua Matorbe is another guy that sort of uh i I wouldn't mind seeing him in the backfield maybe getting a couple handoffs maybe getting a couple swing passes uh he's he's a little tall but he runs a lot like a running back with the ball in his hands and uh again it just kind of speaks to the kind of unique athlete that he is
1: good stuff there and we we have a lot of wide receiver i guess because there's a lot of wide receiver commits there's a lot of wide receiver questions but i'll read some of these stuff from bear Secutor. um he wanted to know if if uh Howard, uh, ends up switching from Oregon to USC after the decommitment. Uh, he wants to know, if Jones is Velas Jones gonna stick around if they pick up any more, uh, verbals or maybe Pittman or Sydney could switch to the diff- other side of the ball? Um, you know, he wants to know if T Martin's done wide receiver recruiting. Any chance of Javon McKinley? And he even points out some 2017 guys. Um, Tejon Lindsay, but I think he's playing wide receiver, but do you think, Rodgers, uh, Amari rogers and Lindsey could both end up at USC. So lots of different topics, I guess, from Bear Secutor on wide receiver recruiting.
2: Holy cow! Okay, uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, I just want uh, to give, you give, your, so give we'll me your wide Howard. receiver.
1: Yeah, give us your wide receiver rant, and then you'll probably hit all these subjects, I would think. So
2: well with Theo Howard, USC definitely has a chance. Um, he was up at UCLA a couple days ago watching practice. Uh, he's trying to get down to USC for practice. Might happen this weekend, uh, but USC had been kind of practicing later, uh, so, you know, he hadn't been able to get down because Westlake High School is practicing. Um UCLA is definitely USC's greatest competition in there. Um, but, you know, there's some confidence around USC that they can get Theo Howard. Uh, like, it's not a done deal. A lot of people thought, you know, Mike Pittman was for sure gone to Oregon, and, um, you know, he ended up going to USC. So when USC gets their teeth into somebody and they really start to work on them, they can be pretty persuasive. Um, and with Howard, we had heard kind of throughout the process that, he wasn't as solid to Oregon as kind of he was saying. I mean, he was a guy that was like, I'm not taking any visits. I'm 100% solid to Oregon. And then boom, he decommitted. I mean, that's just sort of recruiting nowadays is sometimes not a rhyme and a reason. You just wonder, well, gosh, why did you, why did you commit to Oregon? Like, we know you went up there for an unofficial visit and you liked it. But I mean, if there was that much of doubt that you could turn around and just decommit just out of nowhere, I, you know, why? And so, um, you know, USC is going to be a mm. beneficiary of that. Um, you know, obviously UCLA as well. In uh, courting him, you know, hopefully he doesn't make a commitment really soon. I, I kind of hope he doesn't because I I feel like if he does soon, it's still going to end up being the dog and pony show up until January, and then you know he may open it up again. I, I think it's one of those deals that this is kind of going to go all the way till signing day for him, regardless of kind of what happens between now and then. Um, so yeah, is definitely involved with him and definitely recruiting him, and they have a shot um, in terms of. You know, whether these guys start playing different positions within the class, kind of talked about that a little bit with Pittman and Sydney, um, and maybe even some of the other players. I don't think it's necessarily in stone that everybody, um, you know, ends up playing receiver long-term. I, I think that they're going to recruit a bunch of receivers. I think that they are not necessarily done. I mean, you still got Freddie Swain out there uh, from Florida, uh, a guy that, um, you know, has a top four right now. I think it's uh, Alabama, Tennessee, USC, and Miami. Uh Florida's not in there, and really, you know, where he lives, it's really close to Gainesville, and it's kind of a Florida feeder school. So once Florida wasn't in there, a lot of people started to go, oh, okay, this is this is maybe a little more interesting than we thought. He came down for the Rising Stars camp. was very good. Had a lot of lonely things to say about Los Angeles, USC, T. Martin, uh, just in general. And so that's a guy that you kind of look at and say, okay, he might end up committing to USC. Um He's going to commit and make an announcement in October, late October. So we'll kind of see how that goes down you know obviously USC's already got five guys that could play wide receiver could they get six possibly um would that mean that they would stop recruiting deal Howard if deal Howard had not made a decision at that point yet maybe maybe not I mean it's just one of those things that I want to I I always want to say yeah I think they're done but you know at this point they're really recruiting too many guys to say that they're done Javon McKinley is one guy though that we've sort of heard that they are done with um, there was some talk that he wanted to commit to USC in June, um, at one of the camps. And I, I think USC had kind of talked about maybe an early commitment with him and, and he'd put it off, put it off. But once they started getting commitments over the summer, he kind of approached them and seemed like, uh, we were hearing maybe he wanted to shut it down. And at that point, uh, the, the, basically they were already four, at least on the board, the guys that they felt good about, he wasn't as high as some of those guys. So um, he's a guy that's probably gonna end up going elsewhere. I don't think is gonna be in the mix for him. He likes USC, but unless something changes late in the game and it's one of those things that, you know, all of a sudden they come back around on him and he's still looking around, then maybe, but as of right now, no, I don't think he's a part of that. And as far as two thousand seventeen goes, um, you know, with Lindsay, I think Tay Martell going to Texas A and M uh is going to hurt those chances. Um I, I think, you know, the the money would have been on Lindsay ended up at USC with Tate Martell. Now with him going to Texas A&M, I think Texas A&M is Definitely in it for Lindsey, but I think Oregon also becomes a bigger factor, maybe in his recruitment. Um, USC still going to be there, but I think that uh, they definitely, in terms of uh, probability, I think they go down a bit. Um, and, and you know, 2017, there's there's a few different guys on the board. Obviously, you know, Lamar Rogers already committed. T. Martin's son, a very good player, I mean, one of the best receivers we saw at the Rising Stars Camp, kind of surprisingly good, quite frankly, uh, and a guy that you know really plays a lot of running back in high school, but sort of could be, you know maybe a quasi running back slash slot receiver at USC. And so you talk about that 2017 class and the running backs that they have already with Steve and car committed You're going after Najee Harris. Uh, you kind of have to look at Amari Rogers sort of there. Um, you know, they're looking at a few play, uh, few players in that class. So that could be a deep running back class for them.
1: All right. Lots of wide receiver talk to you. nice job with that one. That was good. Um, how about tight ends? We have a uh, question from Tark. He's the best. He always asks like one sentence tight like questions that are good. <laughs> um, if Bryce Dixon does not return, which at this point doesn't look very good, uh, there still could be some stuff going on, but it doesn't look great. And we know uh, Jalen Cope Fitzpatrick as of uh, Tuesday's practice, Steve Sarkeesian said he's going to focus on academics, so don't expect to see him around either. Um, does that put USC in a better position for Isaac Natua?
2: I don't think uh, Isaac Nada really no, no, was no, looking either way at Bryce Dixon. Um, I, I mean, because Bryce Dixon would be a sophomore this year and then a junior, uh, you know, going into when Nada was was coming in as a, as a freshman. So I, I don't think either way really Bryce Dixon's um, being on the team or not being on the team really affects him. And, and it really, I mean, it's a stretch, but I mean possibly could actually be more of a negative because, I don't know who is getting the ball to at tight end this year. I mean, Con- Connor Spears has played well, but you got to put that into context. You know, he is a walk-on. He's a guy that, you know, we're looking at the receivers, and Tyler Petit is the next best receiver, and Tyler Petit's a, you know, a guy that's going to be a good player at USC. Don't get me wrong. He's going to be a good player. There's some Rhett Ellison to him. But Rhett Ellison wasn't thrust into that spot as a true freshman of being the guy that he ended up being when he was leaving USC. So expectations and context are very important when we watch the tight end position in fall camp and how many guys that are there and how well they do. It's just not a position strength for them right now. So, you know, if Bryce Dixon was there, USC would be able to get him the ball quite a bit and really kind of feature him, and that would help a guy uh, like Isaac Nada. You know, that would help kind of show him, hey, look, at this is how we want to use you. The problem this year is that they don't have a guy to basically showcase to show a guy like Isaac Nada hey, look, at this is how he would use you. And Isaac Nott is already going to be a tough pull. I mean, you know, a lot of people think he's going to stay close to the home. He's going to go just to Georgia. Um, I think personality-wise, I have talked to him in person a couple times and and meeting him up there uh, in Oregon for the opening finals. You know, this position-wise is a guy that I think is going to love L.A., man. I mean, he's a really kind of worldly kid, played AAU basketball, articulate, um he just seems to be around and, and is not afraid of the big spotlight that you know Los Angeles sort of provides and so um i i think that part of it, it you if he can get out here for an official visit it's going to open his eyes a lot and the depth chart is obviously going to open his eyes but if there is one issue it's the fact that you know whoever USC's playing that game if he comes in against UCLA i don't know who's going to have you know five six catches in that game and be a guy that you know, they can kind of showcase in that spot. They kind of have to show him film of Bryce Dixon and maybe uh, Austin Sperry <laughs> and Jake and something at Washington because at this point, you know, Xavier Grimble and, and Randall Tover certainly weren't guys that you could necessarily, you know, circle for the Steve Sarkisian offense and how they uh, were able to feature tight ends. So um, that might actually be a little bit of a negative working in USC's.
1: All right. Uh, how about Stephen Poway? I know what matters most is how USC is ranked at the end of the season, but with Ricky Town's sudden departure before the fall semester has begun, does this mean USC loses the title of the number one recruiting class in the nation for 2015? I recall the margin was razor thin against Alabama. Steve and Poway. I think
2: technically yes. Uh, I think literally and practically no one cares. Uh, that is all about then and that point in time when you're on signing day and you can say, oh, we got the number one recruiting class, and you sort of use that to sort of recruit itself, and I think that was really what that was all about for USC right then and there. I don't think if they dropped a three or four anybody really would care. Um, it's it's a publicity thing, uh, quite frankly. It's, it's you know, recruiting, recruiting itself and being able to market and say, hey, you want to be a part of the number one class? Or, you know, with this class saying, hey, we had the number one class, I mean, USC coaches are not going to say, oh, uh, we had number one class, except, yeah, Ricky us, no, yeah, that wasn't really But, yeah, yeah, we're still really good. Nobody's saying that. They're probably still telling everybody, hey, we had number one class last year. We had a, a top five class the year before. We're building. We've got depth we're going to be great we're going to be a national championship contender get on this train that's basically what they're saying so i don't think it really affects that too much
1: yeah i mean that's like water under the bridge for sure and people were talking about like oh was ricky a four-star or a five-star i mean obviously he's already he was already on campus practicing it doesn't really matter but i guess uh, you could point out that daniel and mentor bebe was part of that class and he transferred in from florida so florida he was part of florida's class now usc picks him up so they lose one but they also picked up another one
2: True. And Tyler McNamara is a guy that transferred in. and um, So, I mean, there's there's a lot of, you know, the blue shirt thing is kind of sort of muddied the water a little bit with, you know, who's actually counting towards what class and, 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 and how good a class is. I mean, we're talking about a guy like, with immature baby, at least he's a freshman. So he's coming in and, and he's a freshman, a part of that class, even though he was an early enrollee at Florida. He started part of that, actually that freshman class. Uh, but a guy like Maximary who's coming in basically is like a transfer. I mean, you're gonna have to look at him as a junior college type of player, you know, with, you know, the guys that they got like Daquan Hampton and, and Isaac Whitney. And then you're going, well, okay. You know, are you looking at it class for class? I mean, do juniors count as a class? It's really just about the cycle and each team you have and the amount of contribution that happens, you know, to be with the team. And obviously Ricky Town wasn't going to really be a big contributor this year. And even in the future, I mean, we were watching fall camp and we saw that Sam Darnold started to overtake him. And Sam Darnold didn't have those snaps in in spring. And I think that's what really, you know, kind of resonated with Ricky Town. It was like, man, I, I mean, he got a jump on it. He had the advantage and just wasn't able to sort of establish himself and solidify that, that three spot. And, and and people were kind of, um, they took a little bit of, of umbrage to me sort of putting that out there that Ricky Town had led uh, the quarterbacks in interceptions in camp, sort of like I was taking a shot at him. But I think that brings context as to, you know, maybe why he felt like he needed to move on. He, he wasn't, he was struggling. And, and sometimes it's one of those things where you just feel like you need a fresh start. I was here during the spring. I didn't, you know, play maybe as well as I wanted to play, and now I'm competing with this other guy in my own class, and I'm still struggling. You know, I need, I need a, a, a new, a new scenery. You know, I need new scenery, and I need kind of a new, a new offense, and just go somewhere else. And, uh, so it wasn't really a shot. It was so much just the fact of kind of how things were going in the context of fall camp, and maybe explaining why he transferred so early.
1: Uh, how about Kevin in South Orange County? Since Gerard knows so much about these recruits, and has followed them for two to three years at least, it would be great to hear his perspective on how they performed thus far in camp and who looks like a strong contributor and who's not. I know he's been at camp, and you have the Freshman Focus series online. Uh, we call it the Newcomer Notebook, by the way. But he articulates so well and can pack more info into a podcast versus an article that could be fun to get more dialogue from you both. Just thinking out loud here, appreciate the hard work. And I do love I like the new podcast format. It's how I consume sports these days. Kevin in... South Orange County.
2: Well, that's not a rapid fire question. That um, is not. I don't think I'm going to go through like every guy. No. Let's in go, that through a, class.
1: We go through a couple. go through a couple, Gerard. And like one guy that stood out to me right away. Like if if you were talking about linebackers, I was in love with Porter uh, with uh, Osa Messina. But really, I think Porter Augustine's outplayed him so far. He's had another sack yesterday. He's probably, I think it's four sacks in the last couple of practices, and just been an absolute beast out there. Uh, So he's a guy that's I think playing even better than what I thought he was going to do.
2: He's played very well. I think again context is important. Uh, You kind of have to bring it in with Osa and and apples and oranges. You know I know that's a favorite phrase for USC (laughs) fans. Um, but, you know, Osa's playing a different position now. He's playing inside linebacker. He's playing the will, which is an inside linebacker position for USC. And I think he's just learning that position. Different eyes. The game is coming at you differently. He He's played outside the linebacker uh, most of his life and, and been a running back. So he's a guy that's really played in space and court, sort of been out on the edge and rushed the passer. Porter Gutson's playing a position where, he was actually more of an inside linebacker in high school, and now he's playing an edge rusher. And that position is really more simplified, especially right now in camp, in, 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 uh, in terms of install. Uh, he, you know, he got three sacks in the, in the scrimmage, and really all three sacks came on speed rushes. He really, I mean, two of them came against Roy Hemsley. He just ran right by Roy Helmsley. Uh, Roy hemsley has got to kind of get him off straight. I mean, he's athletic. He's got good footwork. But against Porter Gustafson, he just had no answer for Porter just using a speed rush and dipping his shoulder and getting right by him. And so from that respect, you know, what he's doing is, is pretty basic, pretty straightforward. He's doing it well, and that's good to see that he's locking down a facet of his game and and developing it and being a guy that can contribute. Uh, but talking to Peter Sturman afterward, Peter Sturman was very quick, to sort of take it down a notch and say, you know, he's also got to clean up some things technically. And there's some other things he's doing outside just the speed rush in terms of leverage, in terms of against the run um, that, you know, he has to get better at. So everybody's excited about the stats and kind of what you see just flash in front of you. But I wouldn't necessarily say, well, he's played so much better in fall camp than Osa Messina because it's just apples and oranges. It's just just different stuff. Um, I mean, I agree. Dustin has definitely played well. But I disagree anybody saying that Osa Messina has been disappointing because he's played well, too. I mean, he showed his flashes. He's, he's uh, you know, had a great strip, um, which, uh, you know, was, uh, it was one of the running backs and it was uh, during one of the scrimmage periods uh, where he stripped the, the, the running back uh, and, and recovered the fumble. Um, he's been around. He's been doing some things. They've been active. I think the linebacker group as a whole is very deep right now. It's very good. Uh, John Houston also. John Houston's been great in coverage. I mean, people don't understand. I mean, there's some, some some plays there where he's closing on these running backs in the flat and, and making plays, and it's not an interception, and it's not a sack, and it's not some great highlight play, so it's sort of just part of the greater defense, and people don't necessarily see it. But I'm focusing on these guys. I mean, my, the newcomer notebook is me watching all these guys that are newcomers to practice, specifically the freshmen. So I'm focusing in on just him from snap to finish. And I know whether these guys are playing well or not. And, and really all of them have played well. Cameron Smith is another guy that might push for starting reps for USC. I mean, he's a guy that had a couple of picks in the spring game. He's just continued to develop. And you look at him and you go, hey, man, 6'2", I mean, 245, 250, you know, he's not going to be that great in coverage. But he's a guy that's getting it done in coverage as well. So you know, I mean, I think the linebacker group as a whole, everybody was excited about that. They were excited about the size and athleticism USC recruited in the 2015 class, and it's met my expectations personally. You know, I, I, despite maybe not as many highlight plays and you know interceptions and whatnot, um, I've seen some great play from the young uh, from the young uh, young linebackers. Um, I think obviously the running back position is another that we look at. You know, and trying to see. Who's that guy? Not necessarily take over for Buck Allen, because I think Trey is going to take over for Buck Allen. Um, he's not going to be the same type of running back. It's not the same style, but that's going to be the guy that's going to take over for, for Trey Madden, along with Justin Davis, hopefully kind of evolving and, and getting better in his role. Um, so it's going to be Who's the guy that comes in and sort of is the is the the third back that sort of flashes in there and can make some big plays? And USC definitely wants it to be Ronald Jones, from what I can see. I mean, they're 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 giving him a lot of carries, and they 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 want to sort of get him in this some type of rhythm and and kind of supplying a spot for him there, Um, and and he's shown some flashes. He's had some big runs. We've seen a little bit of that speed. We've also seen that his hands, you know, he needs to work on that. I mean, he's a guy that with that kind of speed and athleticism, you want to get in the open field. Sometimes the best way to do that is to throw him the ball, but his hands are are suspect, so he's got to improve in that area. Um, You know, Dominic David we've seen flashes of. Like I think they're still trying to evolve that position. They're still trying to figure out how they want to use him. Um, and Aqua and Cedric Ware who's just been very reliable and a guy that uh I mean Johnny Nancy talks like all those guys are gonna play this year. That he doesn't really wanna uh put a red shirt on anybody. So we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. Um, I think one of the biggest surprises, you know, we're just talking about super relatives, is probably Marvell Tell. I mean, Marvell is playing first team reps with the with the safeties right now. And I mean he was a guy that started out camp, and he just he looked like he was got going to take a long time to develop. I mean, he was trailing some plays and, and some busted coverages, and it was really on tell. And he's gone from that to being a guy that's playing with the first team and, and holding his own. And talking to Keith Haywards, the defensive backs coach, he is just really, really excited about Marvell Tell. He's excited about his length. He's excited that he's a good tackler, and he's excited at how well he's processed the playbook and how much he has improved. Um, so there's a lot of coachability there with Marvell Tell. So that's a guy that's been really surprising. Imam Marshall, Akili uh, Ross, uh those guys haven't been really surprising. I mean. We expected a lot of those guys, and they both played well. You know, Iman had a great pick that almost went for six, but I think he high stepped and tumbled the ball or something. We weren't really sure that was on like the far side of the practice yeah, field. We're quarantined to, <laughs> to this little patch of land now uh and the sidelines uh, but um he, he he had a great pick and and has been a guy that you know, people keep asking about him and just because he hasn't had multiple interceptions doesn't mean he's not playing well. I mean, these guys are all playing well and um, there really hasn't been, uh, you know, too many guys that you go, okay, you know, that guy's not going to really be able to play at USC. I think it's just a matter of time where guys develop and, and, uh, and, and you know, maybe not right now, but in the future, they, they all look like the guys that can contribute. All
1: right, we got one last one for you, Gerard, from Jamal. He says, I know... We all like the Iman Marshall video. He's talking about the commitment video they did in front of the Coliseum, but it needs to stop now before it gets out of hand. Like we don't need to see other teams' logos in the video. Like Josh, Emitor Baby. video only for him. Video only for him to choose USC. I think it's classless and stupid. I haven't forgave Joe Mathis for his diss on national TV towards USC. The recruit should keep the other schools out of it and just pull out a hat or a shirt with the school they will commit to. Your thoughts, Jamal.
2: Yeah, it's um sort of an evolution of things. Uh, you know, we were at Tyler Vaughn's commitment ceremony just uh, yesterday, and it was very stripped-down basic. I mean, he was in there, uh, probably about 200 of his cap- classmates uh, in the middle of school. Uh, uh, nobody really introduced him as anything, you know, usually with these ceremonies you have coaches and family and everybody has their say, and then the kid comes up and he thanks everybody and then he commits to the school. Uh, you know, Tyler just basically <laughs> went up there and thanked a bunch of people and, and, put, and, and didn't even put a hat on, actually. I mean, we, I have video of it, and the is just not even worth putting up because it just it's just him saying, hey, thanks, everybody, I'm going to USC, and that was it. <laughs> and so um, you have that, and then you have, you know, the more produced videos, which – you know are sort of hyping it up and everything and, and I'm sure there's a lot there's a lot of different opinions about that. Where do I sit on it? you know I, obviously I don't think anybody should disrespect other schools and their videos and, and certainly you know anytime you get a scholarship offer from a school I mean that's that's a blessing I mean these kids talk about how they're blessed and you know that's the thing on Twitter you know I got a new offer from blah 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 blessed um, sometimes you know I think they just say it and they don't really think about it and, and maybe they don't have the gratitude they should uh, when you think about you know people that have to pay their way through college like me or people that can't even get to college because they can't pay for it um but uh it's one of those things that i, I think unfortunately it's probably going to get worse before it gets better in terms of you know what kids do and you know there was a kid that didn't even do a video but just uh i, I think he committed to UCLA uh Raheem um Johnson jeez, I'm forgetting his name, the big kid from Salesian who plays receiver and outside linebacker. Um, I, I know he spelled his name kind of weird. as Raheem. Uh, good kid. I mean, a guy that I've known. I mean, I was, I think, the first guy to write about him. Saw so him at a passing tournament like two years ago at uh, at uh Loyola High School and, and was kind of watching him. And uh, I, I think he committed, he's 2017, and I think he committed to UCLA. And he went on Twitter and like put a video up of him like burning his USC gear or something like that. And it was silly. It was it was a bad move, you know. he you just you're dude, you're two thousand seventeen, man. That's 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 a long ways away. It's two years away basically. You don't want to be burning uh, clothes because you're kinda of literally burning bridges doing things like that. And so kids will be kids. Um I think there has to be some responsibility with the the publications and the media knowing that they're kids. And I think maybe some of the people that are starting to deal with these kids um, you know, at these levels, at these national camps and everything, they're coming away from college sports and maybe uh pro sports and don't realize that these are kids and you have to handle them differently. I mean, there's, I can't even, I mean, it's been so many times where I've had to sort of adjust quotes or leave things out that a kid says to protect him because he says something dumb about another school or something about a coach or just something in general that doesn't come off good, you know, and and I feel like it's my job to make sure that I make them sound good and, and, and get across what their thoughts are, what the meaning of their thoughts are, but also try to help them articulate those thoughts in the best manner possible. Because when you sit there and you read somebody's quotes, Uh, And this kind of goes away from video, but when you sit there and you read what somebody is saying, you you scrutinize it a lot more. And so, you know, people ask me sometimes, you know, when you're quoting somebody, are you quoting them verbatim? Well, no, I'm not quoting them verbatim. This is not a court, uh, you know, stenographer type of, okay, you know, everything that he says, because then it would sound like probably gook. I mean, if you've ever (laughs) seen that, even Um, just in general from anybody, the most articulate person in, in, uh, in in that's getting deposed doesn't sound articulate because of how we just talk. And there's things that we say that just get thrown out there. You know, I mean, and all that kind of stuff that doesn't sound good when you're reading it, you know? So you, so I I try it. And when you're talking about kids, you're talking about even more type of slang and things that they say that, you know, 40 year old man sitting at home is thinking, reading this going, Oh my gosh, this kid is, is completely inarticulate. No, he's not really, if you talk to him, but this is how it reads. This is how it goes. And so, um, you know, from that standpoint, I think the responsibility definitely sort of has to be uh, on, on the media standpoint, you know, video or even stories. you got to kind of realize these are kids, and, and sometimes they say things and do things and you have to sort of help them along a little bit. So, you know, when you're making a, a video, you know, don't don't have the kids throwing one hat or, you know, stomping on a hat and putting on another hat or doing that kind of nonsense. But unfortunately, knowing that people just want to make money off of this and, and get hits on things, and you're seeing more, you know, the, the, these headlines are becoming more and more over the top, I don't know that we're not going to see that. I don't know if we're not going to see people, you know, encouraging kids to do silly things you know, on video, uh, just to try to make it viral.
1: All right. Well, Gerard, great stuff. Thanks for uh, coming on the show. And I, I want to apologize to everyone. There might be little, little kind of cuts with, uh, there might be a problem with our connection. I mean, you can hear everything you're saying, but there might be little ticks every once in a while. So I'm sorry if, uh, if that was really coming through from Gerard, but, uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Gmart live. You can get the, the podcast on iTunes, iTunes.com slash peristyle podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show and thanks so much for tuning in.